Hello and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Today I'm talking with Amy Cabo Nikolov. Her book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, is her memoir, the story of a woman who persevered over all the odds stacked against her to find true love and form a family that could withstand anything. Amy Cabo Nikolov is a Cuban-American who has lived most of her life in Miami. She is a trained nurse and the president and owner of IMIC, Inc., a medical research company in Palmetto Bay, Florida. She lives with her husband, Dr. Boris Nikolov, and her three children, Danielle, Sean, and Michelle. Love is the Answer, God is the Cure is her first book. To learn more about Amy Cabo Nikolov and her book, Love is the Answer, God is the Cure, visit her website at www.godisthecure.com. Well, hi, Amy. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hi, thank you. So to get started, tell us, what is Love is the Answer, God is the Cure all about? Well, it's basically a memoir of my life and the challenges that I've had throughout my life. And it started at a very early age. My earliest memory is seven years old. And I think between everything that I've been through, I think it's about 25 years (laughs) of different challenges and different things that I've experienced from uh, childhood uh, sexual abuse for about eight years every day Mm -hmm. to physical abuse by my mother. And I went to foster homes. I got raped several times. And I ended up in a domestic violence relationship like my mother. And as a result, we had a kid, even though I didn't marry him. But it did. I did end up fighting to keep her for 14 years in a row. Wow. And, uh, um, and, you know, the list goes on. Challenges came. And my daughter almost died. Somebody almost killed her. So, but while all this is happening, I was alone. I was orphaned at 15 with no family, and people were afraid to know me. So, I really, the sisters even that were outcasts were afraid to know me up until I got married when I was 27. So, even throughout all my struggles, I knew that I can count on God. Uh, That was, I knew that since I had a dream when I was seven. And I did always pray, and I did always turn to God. And as a result, because I never did lose my faith, and I never gave up hope knowing that there is a God. And I did fail and fumble and went through my trial and errors. But God did bless me greatly in the end, where I ended up with a love story beyond my dreams, a family that I never imagined, and peace and love and harmony in my life. That is such an amazing story the, and your transformation. And you, you sound like an incredibly happy person. And for someone who's gone through all that you have, that's, that's really inspiring. What inspired you to write your story down? Well, it's funny that you say I'm a happy person because that's what my friends know me like. And I've always been a private person. Nobody, none of my friends, I wanted to be the happy good news person. I never want to depress anybody. Yeah. So I never really told anybody about my past. And when I write this book, everybody's shocked. <laughs> and they would never guess because God has been good to me. I do experience moments of happiness. I do love people. I do have compassion. I try to be understanding. I listen to songs and I really enjoy it. And I know that there's challenges and suffering in this world. Nobody is exempt. But there's also great moments of happiness, like the birth of a child or marriage. And maybe to experience such great happiness, you'd have to know suffering so that you can appreciate the happy moments. 
Mm, absolutely. Wow. Now, can you give us a little bit of background information? Like, how would you describe the different forms of abuse and how do you recognize it? Well, talking from example, when I was a kid, I was a very quiet kid. I was a very shy kid. You don't have many friends. But any kind of behavior that's out of the norm, not so much a shy kid, but a kid that just doesn't have any friends or a kid that gets angry for no reason, just behaviors that that would be out of the norm is how you would recognize it. But people have the wrong idea. They think that when somebody's abused, the person's always mean. No, my stepfather was my best friend. My mother was the one I was afraid of mm. because she would beat me. And I, I remember my dad telling my mom, stop, you're going to kill her. And But my father would be the one to comfort me. And I didn't realize as a kid that what he, he was doing to me was wrong. I did not realize it. He was the only best friend that I had. We were nine kids, mm. and I was the outcast. So uh, I didn't really suffer it. I think God does protect the innocent in the sense that I don't remember suffering much, even when I was beat because I had my best friend that converted me up afterwards, which was my stepfather, even though he was sick. Yeah. And God does protect the innocent because it wasn't, and even because I had so many struggles, I pretty much minimized it, put in the back burner. I was too busy trying to survive, dealing with life, fighting custody battles, going to school so if I don't appear crazy in, in court because there's mm -hmm. a stigma for someone that has been abused as much as I have. Yeah. And I just really didn't have an opportunity to deal with me until in prayer I got the idea to finally write the memoir I was asked to write when I was 15. Then I was able to write the book. And it wasn't something that I could easily tell a story and I finally realized that it was me and it wasn't until I got reviews for my memoir that I realized that it was such a horrific thing as people would describe it because the way that I always justified it is had I not gone through everything that I've gone through sexual abuse and physical abuse and and emotional abuse and domestic violence and the custody battles and everything that I've experienced would I even consider myself understanding enough to have a radio show and try to help others? Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. It, it takes what it takes, every, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, God has a, a way of turning a tragedy into a blessing. Right, right. How hard is it for victims in the situation to realize or even acknowledge that they're in an abusive situation and ask for help? I mean, obviously, physical abuse is is easily recognized, but there are other types that are more subtle. Well, if it's a family member, it's hard because there's a sense of love and loyalty that the child has. Mm. And it's, it's really, really, it can be, it can be challenging. It can be really hard because what's most important is to educate children. I didn't know. Nobody told me about improper touching or what's acceptable for a parent to do or that I deserve not to be harmed. Nobody ever told me those things. So education is important because when I told my mother what was happening at seven years old, she kicked them out. And I blamed myself. I thought I was the one that brought all these problems. My dad came back 
two days later, and I knew not to say anything again mm. until I was 15 because I internalized it, and I didn't realize that it was wrong because the lack of education. And I've learned not to do that with my kids. I've learned to educate them, and I've learned to do things differently. I've learned to not be my parents, the abuse that I came from. Some people say I'm not strict enough with my kids and that they're a little spoiled, and I tell them I'm glad they're not afraid of me. Yeah, yeah. That's hard to break the cycle, so that's that's well, amazing. Somebody has to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the consequences of abuse? Well, there's a lot of consequences. One of the things that you can easily develop from long-term abuse is PTSD. And along with PTSD can come a lot of things, but the main problem with PTSD is depression. And what's most dangerous about that is that it can lead to suicide, and that's the end of it all. Because as long as you're alive, you can fix things and you can make a difference. And you go through long periods of time Especially if you have situations that make you depressed, like a custody battle where you're depressed. And then you tend to, uh, people who have been abused somehow develop negative coping mechanisms. So instead of coping in a healthy way, like listening to music or doing something uh, productive that makes you feel good about yourself, you would go and self-medicate and do recreational drugs. or And then the abused person also that has a low self-esteem might hate themselves um, and it makes it difficult to even have relationships because you kind of have to love yourself to love someone else yeah it makes things a little complicated and also it's hard part of the PTSD the symptoms it makes it hard to hold back anger there's a lot of anger that the abused person will have locked up inside and it takes an understanding person because you don't know the motive behind somebody's actions and uh, I mean I've been so blessed that my husband has been so understanding and he's dealt with so much and he's seen me go through all the the phases that I'm supposed to go through that you see in textbooks and then he saw how I grew in my relationship with God, and I was able to defy the odds, and I didn't have to be a textbook case. Right, right. But how do you? How does the self love begin? What does it take to get to that point? Well, it, in order to get to the self love point, you have to realize that God truly loves you. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I prayed every day. And as I prayed every day, it's almost as if my eyes were opened. I saw things more clearly. And my behaviors were those that of helping others, doing things that would make me proud of myself. Something that the rosary video on Facebook says is about how the Virgin Mary dealt with her neighbors and cleaned and cooked and she did it all for Jesus. So what does that tell me? Be kind to others and you're doing it for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And now clean and cook and, you know, silently and you're doing it for Jesus. So just the fact that I'm following Jesus' examples and trying to be faithful and stay close to him and I feel like I have a better relationship with him then that allowed me to feel like I could love myself because God was able to forgive me. God was able to love me. And now my I'm not doing any negative behaviors that make me feel bad about myself. Yeah. I think 
it's hard to get to that point because I would even imagine someone saying, well, yes, I can see that God loves you, but how could he possibly love me? You know, is there some of that attitude in the beginning? Uh, yes, there was a point in time that I thought I was not good enough for God to love me or I was not worthy of God helping me. Yeah. I just thought I was the most horrible person in the world and I could not forgive myself for any of the for things that I have done as a result of having been abused. And I'd like to say that I've never hurt anyone else intentionally, but I can't even say that. Mm. I had an abortion, and I'm Catholic. So it took me a while to be able to forgive myself. I think I was able to forgive those who hurt me before I was able to forgive myself. Mm. But God made it possible for me to forgive myself. Yeah. How did writing down your story help with your healing? Well, it put things into perspective because I was aware of all the abuse, but it's something that I never thought about, that I never gave it thought. I don't like to go on my past. Mm -hmm. I focus on the present, that kind of thing. And when I wrote my book, I really had to go into a lot of memories and into the past and into details that I had thought I had forgotten. And it reminded me that it's something that I had gone through in writing it on paper as a first person made me realize, wow, this is me. Yeah. Where before it was just a story that I told about someone else. And it just brought it into perspective. It brought it into reality. It helped me realize that it's something that happened and something that I've learned to accept the fact that there's suffering in the world and that's just part of life and it's okay and you can still make it. It shouldn't, it shouldn't ruin you. Yeah. So how are you using your experiences as a way to help others? Well, the only way I know how. Since I was a little girl, I knew I always wanted to help people. And at first I thought it would be a doctor and then I thought it would be a nurse. And I, I didn't know how I would help people, and God has a funny way of doing things. And then I thought, well, who knows? Maybe what I've been through in life hasn't been in vain. Maybe my testimony can help others. Maybe my honesty will help others, to be honest, that we can create awareness, that we can speak to each other and be therapeutic to one another. Because speaking the truth and speaking your truth is very therapeutic. Yeah. And now you have a, a radio show um, in which you help others. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Basically, it's a radio show called The Cure, and it has to do with the cure of what it is for me. For me, the cure is God, and there's no greater guinea pig than me. Trial and error, I've done it everything, every medication, ketamine infusion, everything. I've tried everything, and in the end, all that really worked was God. That's really all that work. And so my husband gave me the idea. First, he had me interview with radio hosts. And then one time I went to the radio station. He goes, oh, the radio host is not here. So it's just you and me. Then I found out I was going to be a host. <laughs> and basically, it's a radio station about if you're suffering in any way, whether it's abuse, domestic violence, custody battles, homelessness, drug addiction, uh, medical conditions, uh, I think 
give people my ideas, how I did it, I can give my testimony, but I also bring professionals, psychologists that have also something to bring to the table. I offer testimonials, things that I found in Facebook, inspirational songs, uh, and, you know, just I try to find different ways that I can offer, that I can help people. I know that my way might not necessarily work for everyone, so I do invite all kinds of di- all kinds of people that have different ways of healing, different ways that you can help yourself. Because after all, the only person that can make you well is yourself. You're, the psychiatrist, the therapist is only there for that hour. Medicine only works for thirty five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, it's you, and you decide how you want to live your life. Yeah, happy knowing that you have God in your life a most divine, celestial, powerful being or miserable feeling that you're a product of your circumstance. Seems like an easy choice. (laughs) For me, it was. Yeah. (laughs) But it it isn't for everyone. And it wasn't always an easy choice for me, not when I hated myself. Right. That's why we just need to pray. Pray for those that are not able to see things in that way because... There was a time that I wasn't. I needed to pray. I really needed to pray every day, and I still do. I take one day at a time. So what are some positive things that, that one can do in life to elevate themselves and others? Well, the things that people can do to elevate themselves is basically behave in a good way. Be there for others. Be kind. Work hard. Sometimes we don't know what we want. We think we want things easy, but there's no merit in easy. There's only merit in hard and hard work. And I think human nature is to do hard work. But see, the devil lies to us. The devil tells us we want things easy. We want to win the lottery. And no, it isn't so. Because it isn't hard work. And it is when you try hard and when you do things that are productive and that are positive Those are the things that are going to elevate you because an accomplishment could be raising your kid right, teaching them the right values. Anything can be an accomplishment. And things that are productive, things that help others, things that make people happy is something that can make you feel better about yourself, that could elevate you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how how helping others, you know, you You often, yeah, you get more out of it than, than what you were giving oftentimes. I find. Yeah. (laughs) So what comes after love is the answer, God is the cure? Do you have another book in your future? (laughs) (laughs) I never thought myself as an author. I I never even thought I'd write a book, but there's many uh, things I didn't think I'd be able to do that God made possible. Yeah. And I I didn't think that I'd write another book. But, you know, life is interesting. I do still have a challenge today. I knew this writing this book would come with consequences. I knew that because I wrote the real names and the real descriptions, people would get upset. Mm. And But I did outweigh the benefits, the costs, and the benefits of helping others or helping a mass of people was greater than whatever cost I'd have to endure. But... For example, my daughter's father is not happy about the book. He talks to my mother, my oldest daughter now that was brain injured, that I helped bring back to to heal, that she lived with us and everything. Now she doesn't speak to me. Mm. And 
I still have my dysfunctional family and life still goes on. I don't know if I'm going to keep writing another book. I just basically wanted to put the message out there that you can go through a lot and just know that God is there for you and that God loves you and God is always willing to help you. All you have to do is believe in him and seek him and pray. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any advice you can give to uh, survivors or people wanting to um, speak their truth and write their memoir? Uh, Yes, that writing is very therapeutic. Speaking your truth is very therapeutic. Never give up hope. Always know that there's somebody greater and more powerful than you can ever imagine that's there at your beck and call, at your aid. Help is on the way. I suffered for a very, very long time, but I never gave up hope because there is a God. And as long as you're alive, you can make it right. You have many, many days to make it right. It's not over. Mm. Never give up hope and try and pray. That's the way that I was able to make it with prayer. That was my source of strength every day. Yeah, nice. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Well, I just wanted to add that I hope that everybody and everyone that's suffering really has the comfort of God. I do pray for all the sinners, and that includes everyone, even me. And it's sad. I do see a lot of suffering in the world. And I want everyone to just try and pray for those who suffer, because there's a lot of us suffering. And... I want them to know that we're all in it together. And the more of us that pray together, the more difference in the world that we can make. Yeah, absolutely. So, Well, Amy, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you so much for sharing your remarkable story with us. Anytime. Thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to spread my message. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today for my interview with Amy Cabo Nikolov, author of Love is the Answer, God is the Cure. To learn more about Amy and her book, visit her website at GodIsTheCure.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. <laughs>